something to be happy about friends ain't that right amen hallelujah it's good to be in the house of the lord with you man feels like i've been gone for a while and it's just nice to be gathered with the saints amen where the eagles are gathered amen that's where the the word of god the bread of life is amen so let's just sing and worship today i believe we have a bible study tonight so i've got some worship songs on my heart i'd like to change the mode Man, if we could all just enter an atmosphere of worship, I'd like to sing that song. Um, His strength is perfect. I can do all things in the key of G, please. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what he can do through me no great success to show and no glory of my own yet in my weakness he Oh, his strength. 
Tender mercy 
on my weakness to my need. And now I sing no greater honor than just to know Him more and to count my gains but losses to the together just before we go to the throne and take our special needs before the Lord I'd like to ask Brother Sam Britton if he would take those needs and be ready for us when I look into your holiness and when I gaze into your loveliness when all that surround become shadows in the light of you when I found the joy of reaching your heart and when my will becomes enthroned in your love that surround become shadows in the light of you. Hallelujah. Then I worship you.
worthy to be praised and adored. Hallelujah. Amen. Just as they play that softly, the musicians there mentioned some prayer requests, special needs that you would take upon your heart to pray for these uh, saints that are needing a touch from the Lord. Amen. Let's remember Brother Keith Buchanan, if you will, in prayer. He's in recovery. You'd uh, remember Brother Tom Ward as well with the ordeal he went through. He's also still in recovery. And keep him in prayers. Uh, Brother Chris, Chris Clayville and his family are uh, uh, dealing with some sickness in the family. If you'd remember them in prayer. Brother Mitchell and Sister Megan are traveling and not with us. So if you'd remember them. The Knobloks also are not with us today. If you'd remember them in prayer. I have a prayer request for Sister Carrie Whitlock, who is sick. And um, also, if you'd remember Sister Amber McCall, she's out of town as well. And uh, the James family is not with us. They're traveling down to Florida. God will grant them traveling mercies if you'd remember them. Sister Sharon McCafferty also is away. Remember her as well. Also, our pastor, Barry, is having surgery on his hand tomorrow at 7 a.m., if you would please be mindful of that need and be praying for our pastor. Amen. Do you have an unspoken prayer request on your heart by the uplifted hand? Come on, Brother Sam. Take those needs to the Lord for us. I'd ask you guys to remember a good friend of ours. Her name is Sister Carol uh, from New York. She, she can't hear. My wife was just telling me. So if we can remember that too, please. Let's pray. Dear the Father, Lord, first of all, I just want to thank you, Lord. Lord, just for this opportunity to be here, Lord. Lord, I just want to let you know, Lord, that I love you, Lord. Lord, there's nothing greater, Lord, that we could be doing on a Wednesday night, Lord, than just be in your house, Father. Lord, you heard these requests, Lord, that were mentioned. Lord, each one of them, Lord, even in this congregation, Lord, Brother Tom, Brother Keith, Lord, that you would just be with them, Lord, that you would just touch their bodies, Lord, just, just heal them, Lord. Lord, the pastor, Lord, having surgery tomorrow, Lord, on his hand. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would just be with that procedure, <clears throat> Lord, be with the doctors, Lord, the nurses, Lord, whatever needs to happen, Father, would you just be with them, Father. And Lord, for all the ones that are traveling, Lord, it's that time of year, Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would just keep them safe. Lord, that you would just bring them back here, Lord, safely, Lord. Father, Lord, for a friend of ours, Sister Carol, Lord, that you would just, Lord, restore her hearing, Lord. Lord, uh, ask you, Lord, to touch her body, Lord, just be with her. Lord, also for my grandmother. Lord, who's every day, Lord, just, just waiting to see you. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would be with her. Lord, as her health has declined quite a bit, Lord. Lord, just give her her desire, Lord, which is just to see you. Father, once again, be with the service. Lord, Brother Barry, Lord, as he brings, Lord, the word. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. You can have your seats for a few moments. And let's just continue in that mode of worship, amen, that cleansing atmosphere. And just before we get into the Word of God, amen, a little song on my heart, um, Lily of the Valley, Daystar, Sean, the key of G, brother. Lily of the, Lily of the Valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. Fair 
crystal 10,000 Make me a reflection of your light Oh, day stars shine down on me Let your love shine through me in the night Oh, lead me, Lord, I'll follow
stars shine down on me Let your love shine through me in the night Amen. Let's all stand this evening. Amen. If our deacons would come forward at this time, we'll take up our evening offering. Amen. And you feel free to give as unto the Lord. I'd like to sing that song, Worthy is the Lamb Seated on the Throne. Brother Peter Coffey, can lead us in prayer, brother? Hallelujah. Let's sing this together as our pastor makes his way forward. Man, you just keep that, that worship spirit, amen, and just invite his presence as we sing this. Thank you for the cross,
Son of God, the treasure of heaven crucified, worthy is the Lamb, yes, worthy is the Lord, we lift our voices to you tonight in thanksgiving for all you have done for us. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts tonight. You know the needs that we have, Lord, upon our minds and the burdens that we carry in this life and in this time we live. It's an age, Lord, where your prophet said that pressure was increasing because we were being conditioned to move into a different atmosphere and a different level altogether. And Lord Jesus, I believe that you're really working in the hearts of your bride, Lord, and many unusual things are happening. Father God, I know that you have your bride in the midst of your watchful eye. And Lord, there's nothing out of cater, there's nothing out of control. And so the very best thing we can do, Lord, is place our time, our gifts, talents, ministries, our minds and our hearts, Lord, into your hands and pray that you would just Lord, use these gifts, Lord, to minister to the people. And I pray, Lord, within the hearts of the people, Lord, that you would just open up their hearts and minds that they can receive from you. Lord Jesus, we thank you if you've chosen us. And we thank you, Lord, we're here. In the midst of a very busy week, Lord, it's just a wonderful thing, Lord, to be able to come aside at the well and just to be able to draw deep, Lord, from the waters of salvation. Father, have your way now, we pray. Forgive us of anything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask especially you bring healing to those who are sick and the people who are troubled with questions. I ask, oh God, that you would minister to their hearts. We love you and we thank you. And now ask your blessing upon this part of the service. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Let's take your Bibles tonight. And uh, we'll look in the scripture while you're standing <clears throat> tonight. Thank you, musicians, and thank you, Brother Jaron, for uh, making such a great atmosphere this evening. We welcome all of you here in the name of the Lord Jesus. Real treat to see Brother Ben, Sister Tanya here. Never expected that. We are honored to have you with us tonight. May God bless you, dear friends of ours, and uh, just trust that uh, God will bless you tonight. And for all of you that are here and a number of folks who are listening tonight, we uh, trust that God will speak to your heart. This is going to be a little bit different, as I said before. John chapter 16, let's look in verse 12 to 15. This is a process that Jesus talks about. This is something he's promising uh, the believers that they're going to experience. When he goes away, he promised the spirit of truth. Nobody knew what the spirit of truth was or what it was going to be like. Because nobody had ever had it before, right? Nobody had ever had what he's referring to. I got an echo up here. I don't know if you do, but I do. And so Jesus describes it this way. He said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. That's not a criticism. That's just the fact that there has to be a level of maturity for people to hear a mature word in season. Okay, that's not a criticism. It's not because you don't want to hear it or you're not smart enough. or what, that's, that's not what he's saying at all. Is that he's letting us know there's more to come, much more to come. And in season, in the right season, God will give you what you have need of. 
So he gave them the message of the first age in the first age, and he gave, them the message, gave us the message in the last age for the last age people, and that's right. That's, that's the timing of God. He knows what he's doing. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And all things that the Father hath are mine, and therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. May God add his blessing tonight. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, without any preamble, except I'll just say this, that I, uh, Brother uh, John was over, John Harwell was over to see Brother Keith today, and he's, uh, this is the third day for surgery and he's just going through the uh, process of uh, his, his natural response so he's uncomfortable today but he's doing quite well and I'd ask you tomorrow morning 7.30 I go in for surgery and I'm trusting Lord willing I'll be here on Sunday uh, to be here for uh, to be here for service uh, so we appreciate that I'm gonna, after church I'm going to zip right out and uh, take off because it's uh, had to be there uh, early in the morning <clears throat> I'm going to jump right in because I want to cover a few things tonight. Now, you kind of got to take your theological guns and slide them back into your uh, ecclesiastical holsters tonight, okay? Because we're going to, I said we're going to take our theological guns and put them back in our ecclesiastical holsters tonight. Because we're not going to do this like a normal service, all right? We're going to, be, we're going to interact here a little bit, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, this subject of how to study your Bible. I really, really was overwhelmed uh, with the uh, response from people, not only you, uh, but uh, people who are listening and people who picked up the study afterwards uh, about this subject. And I never, this is something I never realized that people never realized, um, I do this almost every day in my life. This is something that's kind of uh, natural to me. Uh, it is, um, you know, some, some of the things that you folks do over and over and over again. You don't think that anybody would have any uh, issue with what you do repeatedly. Uh, and so I've, I've always thought to myself, well, this is how everyone studies the Bible. And uh, uh, I just slowed down a little bit and uh, in conversation with people realized that uh, there are some really great resources that people probably don't know about. And uh, we've had uh, teachers even and different people in different circles, different churches and so forth, uh, wanted to have the material and the links and so forth. So I'm, I'm trusting that it'll be a help primarily for, for you folks here. And uh, <clears throat> I want to do a little preamble, then we're going to open up the floor, and then we'll probably come back to this again. So bear with me here. Now, this is what's way cool. Sorry to be casual. But I have my own keyboard and mouse here tonight. You, you, that's right. So I can even check my email while you're not looking. Not really. But, but Jeremy's got me hooked up so I can go uh, on to the links that I showed you. And if you don't have a copy of the paper, uh, you should have received an email that had the attachment with it on there. And if you don't have this sheet, uh, you're welcome to... Uh, you're welcome to uh, pick it up on your attachment, and we'll have some more printed out. But everything we printed out, we've given away. So uh, I'll tell you what, Brother Ben, I'm going to give you this one here. This is mine. Uh, it's anointed. But you can, you, just for reference sake, you can take a look at that uh, tonight. 
while you're here. <clears throat> now let's take just a couple of quick statements here. Sorry. Someone else has my computer. Brother Bram said, remembering the Lord, he said, now why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I uh, told you to do? He said, we ought to study the scripture. We ought to find out what God's program and plan is. I'll guarantee you it's all there. It's all in the scripture. And Jesus said, not only is it there and it, 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 it's available for you to know, but I'm going to come back and be your guide. And I'm going to guide you and, and show you things that are to come and show you things that you need to know. There are things that people in the early church or the age of the martyrs that they needed to know. And there are things that we need to know in a different age, right? The age of rapturing faith. And so the guide brings us to where we need to be. And he's responsible, Brother Bram defined a guide, and he said he's responsible for getting you there and responsible for uh, making sure that uh, you're, you're, you wind up getting there safely. So he said, <clears throat> we ought to find out what God's program is. And he said, you call me Lord when you, don't do, uh, when you don't do the things that I command you to do. Now, <clears throat> Paul wrote Timothy and he said, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. You didn't know it all when you began. It wasn't all apparent to you. Now, I've always been a son of my father, but I never knew in my early years what I know now. When Brother Branham died, I was eight and a half years old. And I never even knew he was on the earth. And I've learned a lot since those early years. And Paul is encouraging Timothy here to continue in the things that you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So it is a right thing for a generation to pass on truth and instruction to an upcoming generation, right? That's the intergenerational responsibility we've talked about before, that fathers would teach sons, sons would teach their sons, those sons would teach their sons, and all the way down through. I love the way Daniel Webster wrote it, uh, signer of the Constitution. He said, if there is anything in my thoughts or style to commend, the credit is due to my parents for instilling in me an early love of the Scripture. If there's anything in my thoughts or style or my way of living, he said to command. If there's anything about me to command, the credit is due to my parents for instilling in me an early love of the Scripture. I think that's a pretty good statement, don't you? If we abide, listen now what he says. If we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we and our posterity, our children, neglect its instruction, if we neglect the instruction and authority of the Bible, no man can tell how sudden the catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all of our glory in profound obscurity. That is worth putting on your fridge. So here's Brother Branham now in observation of <clears throat> the people as he's going into the seals. Now the seals is a big event, right? It's a thing that Brother Branham's been priming the people for. Uh, this is a turn in his ministry. This is a, uh, a turn prophetically that's absolutely enormous. It's, it's really, really important. And he's primed the people for this. And now they're in the breach service. 
God in simplicity in the Sunday morning service, and then uh, the breach in the evening. The breach happens to be, just for your own reference, one of my favorite messages of all time. Because it, it, it does literally bridge the gap between uh, the church ages and that eternal age and uh, the bride age and so forth. Uh, it's just an absolutely incredible uh, sermon. I go back to it over and over again and uh, I, always, I always glean things from it. But he said this in the beginning of the sermon. I get some, uh, some of the scriptures and he said I think we ought to read them. And many of, many of them I see are writing. They have their books and writing the scriptures down, making them in their Bible for a change. And he said, so that's fine. I like you to do that. And then go home and study it. So things like this are the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because you're not going to get it all by being here in an hour, you know, going so fast through the scriptures like I do and uh, putting it all up there. I, I throw a lot of information generally out at you. Brother Ram said what he's observing in this, in this series, the seals, is that people are writing this down. He says, I, I, I like for you to do that. And then go home and study it. And study it for yourself. And he said, then you'll understand it better. So you can take your time and you can go through the scripture and you can look at it and see how it connects and, and so forth. Just study it and ask God to help you understand. So that's what you need to do. It's not for you to try to mentally figure it out. And it's not for you to try to, uh, you know, intellectually piece it all together. What you want to do before you even open the book is just to say, Lord, you're the author and you're the revealer. And I'm totally dependent on you to show me what you need me to know. And help me, Lord, to see. Help me to hear. Open my eyes and my heart that I can receive from you. That's what you ought to pray. Something like that. And just say, Lord, help me now. And no matter where you are reading, and I, like I said before, if somebody wants to take the Bible and read it from Genesis to Revelation, wonderful. God bless you. I don't do that a lot. Because I'm a studier. Uh, I'm a subject studier. If you want to take a passage or a book, uh, for instance, right now I'm reading the book of Isaiah, just in my own personal reading, and uh, <clears throat> I just read a little bit every day, and uh, you say, well, how much should you read? I, this is always my rule of thumb. I always read enough to where I want to go tell somebody. I read until I discover something I want to share with somebody. That's how far I read. Because then you get excited and you don't want to, you just, you got to tell somebody, you got to share it. But everybody has a different capacity, everybody has a different way, and if you're a chapter a day person, God bless you, all the more power to you. Everybody has a different way, and there's no right or wrong to studying your Bible. Whatever way you've worked out, it's great. But I'm going to give you four things here, uh, as we talked about, wow, <clears throat> this, this program is on fire tonight. It is absolutely on fire. So, let me give you... Four things that uh, we're going to look at tonight. A topical study. So that means that we're going to take a subject like love. We're still on love. Goodness. Love or creation or lust or temptation or power or money or eternal life or whatever else. You pick a topic that's important to you and you want to try to find that through the scripture. And accumulate your, your own personal scripture, list, your study. Uh, that's one way to do it. And that's called a topical study. And that's a, that's a great thing to do. I love to do that. You can also take a Bible personality. For instance, you want to, uh, you know, talk about a guy like Enoch, you know, because he, he shows up kind of mysteriously in the, uh, in the book of Genesis there. And then we find him over in the book of Jude. And, and there's different places where he's mentioned in the scripture. And it's really interesting to find a, 
a Bible personality or a particular event, like the, uh, the first exodus, for instance. You might want to study that and how the children of Israel got out of Egypt. That would be a, a biblical event that you want to look at. You also want to, uh, the, the third uh, kind of study would be a historical study. So we want to look back and say, what really happened during the exile? What really happened when the, uh, when the city of Jerusalem was ransacked and uh, Nebuchadnezzar came and, and took, uh, the Babylonians came and took all the, the people of Jerusalem and marched them off into captivity in Babylon in 70 years and uh, they stayed there 70 years. What happened after that? Well, that gets really interesting because now you have Nehemiah and Ezra and Esther and all of those books are wrapped into that and then they, you know, they come back out of captivity and things are different after they come back out of captivity. So when you look at a historical event that changes things, that certainly is one of them. You want to look at that. <clears throat> then we could call this fourth one the inductive Bible study. And that simply means that you would come to a subject, for instance, and you would look at that, but you're willing, and this is what's important, you're willing to lay your thoughts on the table and let the scripture define whether you're right or wrong and let the scripture have the final say. Okay? And, and that's an inductive one. So in other words, <clears throat> I have a certain idea. Like a lot of people... I'll give you an example. A lot of people back in Brother Branham's day, in the, before 1957, a lot of people believe that Eve ate an apple in the garden, right? But after 1957, when Brother Branham preached serpent seed for the first time, now all of a sudden people had to look at the scripture in the Bible a different way. And they had to say, okay, my thoughts compared to scripture are now different. And so, man... I got to make a decision here. So an inductive uh, Bible study is like, in a sense, a challenge. Now, let me give you an example of an inductive Bible study. All right. Just a, this is a message example here. In 1954, in questions and answers, Brother Branham said, made this statement here. And he said, he's talking about how when people die and what happens to them. And he says, them that are dead in Christ are in Christ, are in Christ and free from judgment. They will come forth in the resurrection. Talking about believers now when they die. But when we die, we go directly into the presence of Almighty God in a celestial body. And if I meet Brother Neville up there, say if we both died now, in an hour from now, I'd be able to come to him and say, greetings, Brother Neville, and talk to him. But I couldn't shake his hand. He's in a celestial body. I could talk to him, and he'd look just like he does there. I'd, I'd look like I do, but we could talk to one another, but we couldn't touch one another because we haven't got any of the five senses, see, taste, smell, and hear. That's what he believed. He believed they were kind of like a cloud floating around. And you know where he got that idea? Anybody know where he got that idea? His mother. His mother taught him from a youth that that's what happens when you die. You're like a cloud, you're floating, and you'll be able to recognize people on the other side, uh, but it can't touch them. And this is what he says in 1954. Now, you know what happens? An angel comes to him and explains to him, and he reports this in God's Only Provided Place of Worship, which is now 1965. It's the last month of his life on the earth. And Brother Bram says, he came to me and pointed to the scripture. Does anybody know what the scripture is? Yes, it's the Bible. Does anybody know where it is in the scripture? 
2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5. Right? That's where Paul says, uh, he says, if, if I uh, if, you know, leave this body, he said, there's one already prepared for me. Now, so the angel actually points this scripture out to Brother Branham, and then he comes out and says this, and it helped me. Man, that's an understatement. If an angel came and put his finger on the Bible and showed you a scripture, <laughs> that would sure be a help, wouldn't it? And this is the, that's the kind of communion that he had. And it helped me because I used to have an idea when a person died, just their soul went off. But when he quoted that to me, if this earthly tabernacle of our uh, habitation be dissolved, he says, we have to have everything in threes to make perfection. And there's one body here, that's this one. Then there's a celestial body, and then the glorified body in the resurrection. He said it's not a myth, it's, it's a, not an idea, it's not a spirit, it, it is a man and a woman just like you are. Whatever you do, he said, don't miss that. And I said, this is what Brother Bram saying now to the people beyond the curtain of time, and I asked them, he said, do you eat? And they said, well, not here, we don't eat here, but when we get back to earth, we'll receive a body that we eat in. He said, well, I could feel them. Yes, they have a body. It's not just a myth. It's a body. And we know one another. And they all knew me and hugged me. Clouds don't hug. So what happened now? He let the scripture change his thinking. Okay? So that's the idea. And so when we go at something and say, you know, Brother Barry made some statements about movie theaters the other day. And uh, got up and said some things about it. Well, let me go back in the message and research that because I have my own idea on that and I have my own thoughts on that. Well, let me go back and research it in the message and find out what Brother Random actually said. Go ahead. That'd be a great study for you to do. Great study for you and your parents to do. And go back and look and find out what he said. I've done it. It'd be a great study for you to do that. And let the, let, but let the mind of God Affect your thinking. Be open to what God has to say. That's the important thing. A lot of people's minds are like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. You don't want to be like that when you study the Word of God. You want to stay open, right? Are we okay? So, <clears throat> why should we study the Scripture? Brother Bram gives a great answer here, and he says, <clears throat> God can raise up a little something different, and altogether we denounce it instead of searching the Scripture to see whether it's right or not, or just quickly throw it away. There are some things that happen that we don't always have an answer for, right? There are some things that go on that sometimes you, you stop and you wonder, is that God or is that the devil? Is that our enemy or is that... God doing something. You remember, and it's not always apparent. You remember when Joshua was going to, uh, uh, he was going uh, in position to go against Jericho. Remember that? And he met the Lord that night. And he said, Joshua says, are you friend or foe? Just by looking at the situation, he wasn't sure which side this person was on. Right? And then God speaks to him and so forth and confirms what side he's on. So Brother Bam said, sometimes God will throw things at us and... So we'll denounce it, and instead of searching the scripture to see whether it is so. We ought to search out these things and find out whether they are right or not. And if they're not right, they'll finally die. Jesus said, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. 
But I think it was Gamaliel that made a great statement. And he said, if it be of God, we don't want to be found fighting against it. But if it's not of God, it'll come to naught anyhow. So study it and think upon it. And if you're not sure, just put it on the shelf and just wait until God makes it clear. Because there's some things you don't know right off the bat. There's some things I don't know right off the bat. Let me get specific. You remember uh, back in 2012, they created the sign, the website, Believe the Sign. And it was an antithetical uh, website. It was contrary to the message, don't do this at home, don't go there. And it was built to uh, discredit Brother Branham, and it was built to discredit the message. And it was terrible. It still is terrible. And so sometimes, you know, people will be confronted by things like that, and it struck the world like a wave. I knew the people who were behind it. Uh, I mean, it, it caused terrible disruption in lots of, lots of different families, lots of different churches caused terrible, uh, terrible disruption. And I remember when that came through, and I began this series uh, called The Present Truth. And it was, uh, the, the byline on the bottom says, responding to controversy with biblical truth. Because if there's, a, if there's a Bible question, then there has to be a Bible answer. So we went through five services on this particular subject, the present truth, uh, because I wanted to deal with some specific questions that were raised and so forth. And we did that over the, the five, uh, that five services. And so that's what Brother Bram's actually saying. He, when something comes, you don't always know what the, what a source is. Well, let's study it and let's look at it here. And uh, if, it's, if it's not of God, hey, you don't need to worry about it at all. It'll fizzle out. It'll go. But if it is of God, we don't want to miss something God's doing. And there are times when you've got to study in order to figure that out. You've got to do some research to figure that out. Now, ministers do that. That's our lives. Now, in Acts chapter 17... Uh, here's an example. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. Now, this is in the atmosphere of trouble and strife where Paul's going from town to town and uh, he's ministering in the synagogues and the Jews are coming against him and so forth. And uh, they went to Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. This is the kind of attitude that people in Berea had, and the name of the city actually means well-watered. So they were the type of people that if anything happened, they went back to the Word. They were searching in them there. Paul taught something. Paul taught justification. Uh, Paul taught baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They went back to the Scripture, and they were looking at it. Remember now, they would have had only the Old Testament back in that day. But they went back to look at the types and shadows and uh, the Holy Spirit, no doubt, leading them and giving them understanding. So that uh, later on in Acts 17, and, before, and therefore many of them believed also of honorable women that were Greeks and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached above Paul in Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. So they were living in a time when there was an antagonism against the message. There was opposition to the message. There were people who were vocal against it. There were people who were trying to get them out of town. And as a result, the story goes on and says how that they took Paul and Silas and uh, uh, you know shuttled them out of the city there. But we live in an age as well in our time where there is opposition to the message, and people say, "Why? Why do you not? Why do you women not cut your hair? Why do you guys not have tattoos? What's wrong with wearing an earring?" 
And where is it in the Bible that says that, uh, you know, women can't wear pants? Oh, well, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 22. Well, that's Old Testament. Are you Jews? Right? So there are things there that we need to study out. Here's a great little example. I'll stop right here uh, on this part. In in the Mark of the Beast, and this is Brother Bram's subject now, he's wading into it. This is paragraph 8. And he brings a service. This is the first one that he brings, but there's several others where he includes teaching on the Mark of the Beast. Well, watch what he says. Now, this great subject that we're approaching has certainly caused some great controversy and some pros and cons on the subject. Stop. Still true today. Because there's lots of people believe that there's chips embedded. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> there's uh, all kinds of uh, brain, uh, brainwashing that goes on and, uh, you know, manipulation and everything else. Hey, lots of people believe in all kinds of uh, manifestations of the mark of the beast, right? That's still controversial today. I'm glad we have a revelation of what the mark of the beast is. And I myself believe that it's such a great vital part of the scripture that all scripture should be taught, all of it, and we should not leave any of it out. God has spoken through the scriptures about the mark of the beast and how that it was to appear in the last day. And as a minister of the gospel, believing that we're living the last day, I believe that it's a timely message that should be approached reverently in this day. Because this is when it's going to come to pass. No other age. It's only going to appear one time is the mark of the beast. That's what the scripture describes. And so Brother Bram says, hey, we're right in that season now where this needs to be talked about. Now, there's been many thoughts projected to the people concerning this vital God-sent warning to the church. Lots of people have ideas. And many things has been given to the people what this mark of the beast was. And of course, like all other scripture, it causes cults to rise. But surely, if there's such a thing fixing to befall the people of the earth, there should be some gospel sensible answer to the question. And everybody said. Amen. So if there's a Bible question, there's got to be a Bible answer. But remember, wherever there's truth, there's always anti-truth. Right? There's always a counter, uh, a counter effect that goes on. So whenever God does something, Satan is there to try to confuse us. Sometimes, uh, you know, it kind of works like the Russian government. And I, um, I marvel at how they, uh, how they do things. But I remember when the uh, Chernobyl nuclear plant blew up. And uh, I mean, that was an interesting time. I remember that. And I remember <clears throat> back then, and the brothers in Norway told me this, that they were, uh, they were discovering within a month or two, they were discovering reindeer that were glowing on the hills, on the mountains of Norway. And uh, these, these animals were affected by the fallout from the clouds uh, that carried radioactive uh, dust and so forth. And uh, the reindeer were all affected by that. They had to go in and shoot them and they plowed them off the hills into the sea. And that was the only thing they could do with them. It was a terrible thing. So <clears throat> that was a fact. The Russian government made up about, roughly, they say, about 100 uh, scenarios, 100 reasons why this happened, and 100 different stories about, well, this won't cause any problem here, animals are fine here, and, uh, you know, they put out all kinds of, it was the Cubans who did it, and it was the, the French who did it, and it was something else, and they just kept putting out all kinds of false stories. So in the end of it, people were kind of like, we don't know what to believe. Satan works that way. There is a truth. In the middle of all of that, all of those other stories, there's a truth, right? Something happened, and we know that it happened. I've been over in that area, and I know it happened. 
<clears throat> but people after a while, especially with Chernobyl, they kind of looked at it and said, well, man, there's so many official reports out there. Um, we really have no idea really what, what to believe about it. In the same way that, that Satan will try to get in with the revelation that we have, which to me is so clear. And he'll try to interpret it this way, interpret it that way, interpret it this way. Somebody says this, somebody, somebody says that over there, something else. Uh, and, and there are people who just throw their hands up and say, I don't know what to believe. And God doesn't want you to be in that position. That's why he said, I'll send you a guide. I'll send you an interpreter. And that interpreter will not be around you. He'll be in you. And he'll guide you into all truth. He'll keep you walking in the light. And without it, you'd be confused just like everybody else. All right. Let's, let's stop for a minute. And uh, Jeremy, let's uh, break out of here. And uh, let's flip over. Let's go live. All right, everybody? Hang on to your seat here. Let's go live. <clears throat> and what we're going to do is pull up some of the uh, links that we used on these uh, on our Bible study uh, last week here. Now let me stop because we're doing this a little bit different. All right, so don't don't anybody get uh, too worked up here. Does anybody have any questions so far about what we've discussed? Anything at all? Questions about how to study any of the? Yes, let's do that. Let's look at let's let's take a study. Anybody have any any questions? Specific questions, Henry. Okay, that's a subject. Anybody have any questions about our method here, what we're talking about from last week or the week before? Okay. <clears throat> this site I love. It's thekingsbible.com, and it gives us a great resource to be able to look for uh, any subject in Scripture. Okay, and this one is confined to the King James Bible, which is the one that we favor, and uh, we can look up anything really quickly. So, forgiveness, is that what you said, Henry? So, let's just, let's just type in a word here, and we'll look at the word forgive, for instance. And we can click on that, and it'll give us every instance in the scripture where the word forgive is used. Okay? And that's really, it's a very quick uh, concordance for you to be able to look up uh, any verse in the Bible. This is a concordance in print, okay? And it has exactly the same thing. So if I looked up the word forgiveness here, it would give me every single reference where the word forgive or forgiveness uh, or forgiver, anything, anything, any combination like that, it would give me that so I can use that manually. That's uh, the old-fashioned way. So if I want to take uh, this scripture, for instance, and this is where Joseph forgave his brethren, I can highlight that, I can copy that, and I can put that somewhere. I don't know if I could do this. Um, I could put that in a Word program or somewhere where I wanted to save that. Okay, so I can just copy that and paste that and, and put it into, yeah, great, okay. So let's just do that. So let's just work. There's our forgiveness quote. Now, if I wanted to find somewhere else where we, we find that word, I can go down and I can look at all the places here where the word forgiveness is used. So in Luke chapter 17, you'll find a couple of references here. And this is a chapter that's devoted to forgiveness. So we can look at this and we can click on that. Luke 17, and it brings us to the whole chapter. So there's the whole chapter from one to the end. And so this is, <clears throat> this is where Jesus says, 
Take heed to yourselves, and if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times a day, and seven times a day turn again, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Ah, that's the same theme as what we found in Joseph. So I'm going to highlight that. I'm going to copy that and bring it over to my Word document here. And I'm going to paste that in there. So now i got the beginning of a study, okay? Now, let's do this. <clears throat> let's go and do a message search to find out what Brother Branham said about forgiveness. Is that all right? Okay? So we can, we can tackle any topic now. You can put any, any topic, any thought in here at all. So let's put down forgive, and let's use Joseph, because that's the theme that we're, uh, we started with here in the book of Genesis. So I can hit that and hit it on dynamic. So now it gives me every place in the message where Brother Branham used those two words, forgive and Joseph. And here's the first one. Look up the word. That word don't mean forgiven. The word means justified. And all right, let's go down. Here Here are statements here where... Brother Ram's talking about forgiveness. Forgive us our shortcomings. Forgive us now of our narrow-minded beliefs and our little sectarian ideas and let us be baptized into one big brotherhood, one big fellowship, that the kingdom of God might be furthered by our coming together this week. Ah, I want to take that quote. India Trip reports a great sermon. I'll bring that over to my Word document as well. And we'll post that in there. So now, I see, I got myself the beginnings of a little study. So I can, I can take uh, any scriptures or quotes that I find. I'm going to save this and title it Forgiveness. And if I find other scriptures or quotes that I want to add to this, I'll just open that up and plug that in and paste those in there. Now i got myself a, the beginnings of a study. I can take any word or any thought, any biblical idea that we want to uh, search, and we can do it exactly this way. Okay? Sister. All right, so I gave you that link. That link is on your, your sheet that I gave you there, and it's a message search. It's called message search right here. So we can go back, and it just opens up to this very simple screen. I put in this topic here, and it'll give me um, 70 times 7. Every place where Brother Bram talks about uses that phrase 70 times 7. Here we go. And he uses all of these different phrases here and related to 7. And these are 7 church ages he's talking about and so forth. And down and down it goes. There are literally hundreds and thousands of statements here. And what you want to do is work down through them and find... Uh, find exactly what you're, what you're looking for. Now let's say, all right, this is a, uh, let's find a statement here. God's perfect number is seven. So if I want to know what Brother Bram said before this statement and after it, I just click on that. And it opens up in that full sermon. So now I got the full sermon here, and I can look at the paragraph before, which starts right here. And I can look at the paragraph after, and I can keep on reading down and so forth and copy all of those and put them in my study. Okay, so it's as easy as that as copy and pasting. But I can take any subject at all, and I can 
plunking in there. Well, let's say we want to dig down a little bit deeper in the word forgiveness here. Okay? And uh, we want to find out in the King James Version here, and I'm in a, a program here called Bible Gateway, and it's just all it is is an online Bible program. And it's one of the... Um, one of the free Bible programs that are on here. So let's just look up the word forgive. And I got a list of free, forgive, forgiveness, forgive, and forgive them. And I'll hit the word forgive. Search. Now it'll give me every place in the scripture where the word forgive is. And here's the one for Joseph. And I can look at it in context. I can click on in context. And it'll give me the portion of the conversation. So this, sorry for the small print, but it makes that passage make sense. Okay, so sorry. I know you can't uh, see that real, real clear. Let's see if we can make it a little bigger. Okay? So that quickly we can look into that. If we go to the King James Bible over here, and let's go back. Let's go back just so we can look at it. Here's the word forgive. Click on the word where I'm in the book of Genesis, chapter 50. And here's that. <clears throat> so shall you say unto Joseph, forgive me, I pray thee now the trespass of thy brethren. So I can click on the book right here, and it'll give me all of these words over here on the left-hand side, and I can click on any of them, and it'll give me a definition. So here's the word forgive, and click on that, and here's what it means. Ah, okay. It means to pardon, to remit as an offense or a debt, and to overlook, and to treat the offender as not guilty. Ha, I like that. So when Joseph said, I'm going to forgive the brethren, that means that he took their offense and he said, hey, just as if you're, you're not guilty at all, no crime against you at all. That's what that means. I like that. So let's highlight that. Let's right-click on that. Put that over here, right underneath the Joseph thing. Got it. Make sense? I can take any, any word in the Bible and do that with it. Let's get a girl's perspective. Grace, give me a word. Give me a, something you've always wanted to study, you've always wanted to know. Anything. Girls, help her out. It's got to be a girl. What? Makeup. Good topic. Good topic. I didn't preconceive any of these topics, obviously. So let's start from scratch, okay? This is good. Is makeup a biblical word? Click. No verses found. Okay? <clears throat> what? Paint. Paint. You're faster than my fingers? <laughs> Zero verses. Painted. What? Painted face Jezebels? You're, you're using Brother Bram's language now. Aha. Here it is. Sister Cindy gets the door prize. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 30. When Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head, did up her hair, and looked out at a window. Okay? So, 
All right, let's go. Now, I can tell you that this was not something that was pleasing to God. Right? So, let's follow that up, okay? Sister over here has a problem with makeup. Let's look over here. I'm only joking. It's a good, that's a really good question, actually. That's a, that's a really good one. So let's do, a, let's do a search. Let's see if Brother Branham has anything to say about the subject of makeup. Do you think Brother Branham has anything to say about this? Is the Pope Catholic? All right, so this is an issue. Makeup. And let's do Jezebel in there, okay? Jezebel. Let's combine those two together and let's take a quick look at what's here. Now, again, all of this is free. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to join a club. You don't have to pay any money. You don't have to give your credit card or anything else. It's all free. So if your kids come and ask you a question and they say, well, I can can wear makeup or I can trim my hair a little bit. Well, hey, rather than you get in trouble, you can do this as fast as I'm doing it here, and you can come up with an answer and say, this is, this is not what I said. This is what God has said. This is what a prophet has taught. And here's a, here's a 20th century prophet reaching back to certain examples here and bringing this up and letting us know this is something that's displeasing to God. And remember, God doesn't change. So if he hated something back here, still hates it. If he loved it back here, still loves it. So you know what? In a sense, <clears throat> listen, when your parents get old, and my guys can just tune out here, but when, when old people get old and they can't drive anymore, it's a really difficult thing sometimes for you to go to them and say, i got to take away your license because you can't drive anymore. And you are removing their last semblance of independence. And they're going to they're gonna chew your head off. Because most often they're not going to like that. The DMV now will do that for you. That's a service they provide. So it lifts the burden off of you, and they take responsibility because they're the people who have the authority, and they don't want uh, people who are uh, you know, making it unsafe. Unsafe for themselves and unsafe for other people. And so they're there to protect the community, and they'll come to your house and actually take the driver's license away. And so your father or your mother-in-law can always say, I remember when that guy showed up. Now, that's a real thing. I I can tell you that's a real thing. And we're doing exactly the same thing here. That if your children come and say, like our sister down here has a problem with makeup, and she comes and says, well, why can't I wear makeup? Well, you know what? We can get on and we can look up and see. Well, what did God have to say about that? What What did God declare in our generation? Here's the first one. And you know, I remember, I'm sorry. Here's Brother Branham. Here's his first comment. And you know, I remember, I'm sorry, when it used to be a horrible thing for our Pentecostal women to put on this manicure, you know, on their face. I got that wrong. He said, I always get that wrong, the word. 
He said, makeup, makeup, manicures, the fingernails. Is that right? He said, I don't know nothing about that stuff of makeup. It used to be wrong for a woman to put on painted makeup, but now they do it. That's his first statement. Souls in prison is the message, though, that you want to go to. Because when Brother Brandon was in J.C. Penney, he's sitting there uh, on, on the, where the escalator is, and he's just waiting for his wife. Like all, all men, he's sitting there not saying anything. He's trying to be as nice as he possibly can. Honey, take all the time you want. And he's just sitting there, and these women come up this escalator and they have makeup on and manicured and so forth. They're all done up like that. And Brother Branham was horrified when he saw those women because when he was over beyond the curtain of time, when he almost died as a sinner, he saw women that were dressed just like that. And had the same look and the same manicure and makeup on their faces and so on. And he was absolutely horrified that now that dimension had bled over into this generation. And people here are manifesting what they saw in hell. And Brother Bram was horrified by this. And he was shocked. Matter of fact, he had to leave the store. He had to take his wife and leave the store. Souls in prison is where Brother Bram talks about it. And he says, now women wear makeup. We find a woman did it in the Bible. Only one. It was Jezebel. We got that scripture. That's who it was. The only person in the Bible that ever woke up was Jezebel. And God immediately fed her to the wild dogs. So you read that chapter that we mentioned in the scripture. You'll find it there. He said, everything, everything that's mean is called Jezebel. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. What makes you do it then? It's the spirit of the devil. You don't realize it. I know you don't. You're too good of a people. And he says, you're good. Ooh, I got to cut this one out. Man. It's what we call a red hot quote. Now we got the beginnings of a study. See what I'm... See what I'm doing? Now, when you do this, you can, you can take this to your daughter or take this to your family and say, hey, let me just show you what, uh, what the scripture says. Let me show you what Brother Ram says. So we can carry this on. We don't, we don't need to carry it too long because there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of quotes Thousands and thousands and thousands of quotes where Brother Branham talks about this subject. Load more. <clears throat> Some of you young men, this is 1959. Some of you young men, a little painted up Jezebel out there, and you think she's cute. She might look like that on the outside, but you catch her when her face is washed, and you might not think so much about her. Maybe in her is a heart as black as the smutty wall, walls of hell. He says, don't look at that. That's old and will pass away. Look for something that's real and genuine. See if that girl's born again. On and on he goes there. <laughs> hey, we might as well grab that one. Let's take that one. And Brother Bram said, the wolf is slipping up on us. He said, last sentence, we've flirted too much with the rest of the world, with the things of the world. So what is it? Little by little, all of a sudden, little by little, we have some real problems here. So now I got two word files. I got two, two Bible studies done. We want to add more, uh, more to this. Uh, for instance, we want to expand this just a little bit. Let's go back. Let's go back to our King James Bible here. And let's, let's just look at the overarching term.
modesty. Not there. Why wouldn't that not be there? Because the word modest is there. So here's New Testament now. That was an Old Testament verse I gave you first. Here's a New Testament now. In like manner also, the women should adorn themselves in modest apparel. Huh. What does modest apparel mean? Let's go to Bible Gateway. Sorry. Type in the word modest. Here it is. Modest apparel. Now, there's the full chapter. Let's go back. Sorry, I'm trying to go as fast as I can here. Modest. Let's look at the chapter. Let's click on this book. There's an asterisk there. I wonder what that is. Modest. Here it is. Ha! And now we have the Bible definition. And this is the definition that they would have used when they were writing the, compiling the King James Version, okay? <clears throat> it means, there's four different definitions here, but the first one is properly restrained by a sense of propriety, hence not forward or bold, not presumptuous or arrogant, not boastful as a modest, uh, uh, for example, as a modest youth or a modest man, not bold or forward. My goodness, that... When you talk about Hollywood and talk about the way that the women are presented now, it's so in your face and it's so bold and uh, the way people dress, you know, that's the way they want to have it. That's the opposite of a Christian spirit. A meek and quiet spirit is what a Christian would want to have, right? Okay, so we can look up that scripture as well. But uh, listen, I like, I like all of these definitions here of the word modest. So I'm going to take that and I'll pluck that in my study here. Am I making sense, folks? Okay. So we can, uh, we, can, we can carry on. Just this verse alone has some really good definitions here. Here's the word apparel. Here's the word shamefacedness. Shamefacedness. Uh, the word pearl. Here's the... Costly array, sumptuous, expensive, purchased at a great expense, and so forth. So you can just take that one verse alone, and there are seven or eight different words here. You can click on those, and in conversation, you can uh, use those. And for, your, for your, some of you uh, young people that are here, you want to take your own uh, Bible study, and you can do this on your phone and click on these words. Find out exactly what it means. You don't have to wait for me to preach on it. You can look at those exactly on your own and go home and do your study. Right? And you can uh, pick another subject. Let's do another subject. Hunter? Hunter? Okay. Give me some. Yeah. Go ahead. What? That's a good one. You don't even come here regular. And that's a good one. <clears throat> We're not going to find that in the scripture. Right? So when we look up the word apparel, oh, uh, all of a sudden here are some, some great, great, that, this, this story in Judges 17 is a great, great uh, story. It relates to apparel. So 
If there comes unto your assembly, James chapter 2. If there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, not gay as in our modern context, but sit thou there in a good place and say to the poor, stand down there. So in, in this context, he's saying that if somebody's wearing, you know, costly, uh, bright apparel, fancy suit, in other words, we don't want to give that person the preeminence just because they're wealthy, potentially wealthy. We don't want to do that. So if we're looking for a prohibition or something against men wearing jewelry, Okay. Well, you've come to the right place, Brother Ben. Bracelet, and let's do men. Let's find out what Brother Ram says. Now, I'd have to search this one out, okay? But we're getting hits here. You can see there's all kinds of them, but I'd have to read through some of these now. Okay, that's a great question because there's obviously, uh, you know, uh, issues here that we could look at. But let's, let's look at this. Should a Christian woman wear simple jewelry? All right, so he's dealing with women here. I'd have to look up that one. That's a, that's a great one. Um, back, in, back in his day, uh, there were not a lot of men who were, I don't know if I should say this or not, but a lot of men were not bling conscious, <laughs> right? But nowadays, that's an issue, right? Nowadays, that's a, that's a much bigger issue. Um, when you come back to the subject of modest apparel, modest apparel does not just apply to women. It's not a feminine word, okay? Modest apparel applies to all of us. So we would wear in a way that reflects holiness, right? And if you go back and look at that definition of modest apparel, uh, you know, you can apply lots of things from there. Um, there's, there's several in the Old Testament. I'm thinking about that story in Judges. That's, that kind of needs an explanation, but uh, that's, that's a great illustration of that subject, Judges 17. That's a, that's, that's a, I, I, will, I would probably study that one out myself and look at that. All right, any other? Any other? Grace. Grace. Friendship. Friendship. Anyone else? We have three minutes, sister. <laughs> All right, so just real quickly, friendship. Now, friendship's great, and I've done several Bible studies on it here for the kids. And uh, Proverbs twenty-two, twenty-four: make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man, 
thou shalt not go. Make no friendship with an angry man. But how about if you're married to him? How about if he's your dad? Right? With a furious man thou shalt not go. How do you deal with, the subject would be, how do you deal with, I'm not supposed to make friends with my father even if my father has a temper. And, or my husband. And so that's, that's a really good study. And James chapter 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. So there are things that God warns us about who, who we're actually making friends with. And so that's important. So let's go over here and look at this word. Let's click on the book. And the book will give us friendship. That means an attachment to a person proceeding from intimate acquaintance and a reciprocation, kind office, or favorable opinion, or an amiable, amiable and respectable qualities of his mind. So in other words, you find somebody and you really get to agree with him. I, uh, I was with my, uh, brother, my brothers up in Newfoundland last week, and uh, I haven't seen them in nine years. You know, they're, they're, uh, we, we, we left off nine years ago, and so I go back. And within two or three minutes... We're, we're agreeing on things and talking about things, you know, and, and in our own way. And these guys are, to me, they're not only brothers, but they're real friends because we have a real, uh, a real lot in common. And we, have, we agree on many things and we see things, you know, in, in the same way. So, in other words, uh, they would have a favorable opinion according to the definition of what I would see. And I would have a favorable opinion of what they would see. And even if we disagreed, we'd still be able to do it together in love because we're not only brothers but friends. And that's a great thing to do. Now, this, so I mean, that means there's a tightness there, there's a closeness there. That's why God says, make no friendship with the world. So you don't want to become so friendly with sports or, uh, you know, TV or some soap opera or whatever else. You don't want to become so close with that, make friends with it that, you know what, you're tight. You've got you to gotta understand what the, word, what the word friendship means and then make sure you avoid that when it comes to worldly things or worldly people. You want to make friends, you should make friends with people who have amiable or complementary ways of thinking. And if not, you're better off being alone like Daniel, right? So with my boys, you know, we get together and do some things. We've taken trips together and, and so forth. And, hey, we don't have to force that. We don't have to try to do that. We love to do that because we get along. We, we see things in common, do things together, and love to, love to travel together and so forth. And we've done it ever since they were just we, we lads. And so it, it's, it's something that we're, we're, we're tight but I don't want to be that way with worldly people. It might be my neighborhood or people you work with. You've got to be careful that you don't become tight with people like that. Because you know why? They're going to influence you. So that in itself is just a great study. And uh, that, that's, that's a good one. Would you say revenge? All right, this is going to be the last one here. Because this is, uh, these are all good. And you can see that once you get into this and get it rolling, it's like a snowball going down the hill. You know, you're, uh, you're, you're searching and you find things and you find other things that you weren't even looking for. I guarantee you, Brother Ben, you know, with that subject there, it's not, that's one that's not apparent. Like makeup, that's real apparent. But jewelry for men, that's a little bit more obscure. But I, I would guarantee you 
based on my understanding, if I went looking for that, I'd find all kinds of things that I never thought were there because I'm looking for something new that I don't normally look for. And I'll guarantee you'll find things, when you start searching, you'll start finding things that, uh, that you, you've, you never actually thought were there. And it's just amazing what you can collect. All right. All I wanted you to do was get your hands on this to see um, you know, how quickly you can actually do this. There's no money. There's no joining. These are just websites that I'm making available to you because they're out there in the public domain. Uh, it's really good to do that. You can read your Bible through. You can read a book at a time. You can take a character. You can take a location. You can take an event like the flood. You can talk about you know, Noah on the flood or the, the uh, resurrection of Jesus. You can take a topic and look at that. Or you can do uh, you know, a, a study like we're doing here where we're saying, okay, I'm open now to whatever God says. I'm open to whatever uh, the word says here. So we look in the scripture. I got all of these scriptures. I can, <clears throat> I can highlight them all and copy them all. And I can go back and I can look at uh, all of the different subjects here. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting where, uh, sister, where Paul says, that we should cast down imaginations. I'm in verse 5 here. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. This is the only time God gives permission for a person to actually be vengeful. If you're going to revenge anything, you revenge disobedience. Okay? So if somebody offends you, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. If somebody abuses you or somebody wrongs you, we're supposed to turn the other cheek. We're not supposed to go and enact vengeance against that person. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But if you're disobedient, okay, you're disobedient to your parents, God is actually putting the power for you to be vengeful against that disobedience so you can go and do the right thing and make it right. You understand the difference here? So vengeance against another person is never allowed for us because we're supposed to be a forgiving community. We're supposed to be Christians. But when it comes to disobedience, uh, you can actually go the other extreme and do the right thing. So in other words, I'm going to get you back. That disobedience, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to put something in place. I'm never going to do that again. And so you go to the other, the other side of that. And that's where the only place where God gives you permission uh, to enact vengeance. Does that make sense? Every t- any time, any time you get in the scripture, that's how every sermon comes. That's how none of these sermons that I've given you in the last 41 years, none of them are canned. None of them come in a package where you click on it and say, poof, there's the sermon. Go do it Sunday. It's not how it comes. Brother Bram said it comes like this. He said, sometimes you're thinking and he says, you know, you're reading your Bible or, you know, you're just out and you're quiet. And he says, God, God starts it like this. Two times two. 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 And he said, it just rolls. And that's how, that's how uh, I mean, that was Brother Bram's elementary way of describing how it came to him. It just gets a, a seed thought and it begins to roll. He picks up a cigarette package. Remember, thinking man's filter. And God begins to deal with him about that. And he ties it to the scripture and bang, 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 bang. All of a sudden there we have a, a sermon relation to it. 
And so it, it's, it's definitely inspirational when it comes to sermons. But for your own study, like, you know, the sisters are asking about makeup. Hey, that's a real thing. Or cutting hair. That's a real thing. What kind of dresses should, it, should we wear? That's a real thing. And uh, conduct with boys, boys and girls, when they get to be of age. That's a real thing. It's a real, real thing. And so, therefore, we want to know what does God require. We want to know how can we live in a way that pleases God. Well, search the scripture. The answer is there. And if you, uh, I believe if you go at it with a sincere heart, I believe that God will guide you and lead you to the right places that you need to go. Child, you know, we talk about child discipline or discipline in general. Talk about, uh, you know, any of the subjects, let alone the doctrinal side of things. And where did all those 200,000, 1,000 demons go? And, you know, the book of Revelation. I mean, just tremendous, tremendous uh, studies that are available on the book of Revelation to help untangle all the symbols and so forth. Brother, Brother Bram said a prophet gave it, wrote it, and he said a prophet untangles it in the very end. He reveals it. So you go back in the message and you start to look in Brother Bram's sermons. Man, there's so much in good information that's there. I remember when I, was a wee lad, when I was a lad, I was single and uh, lived up in Canada. And uh, Saturday afternoon, we, we, I mean, in, my, in my church, the young people's group was composed of me and my brother. My other brother was married, so it was just me and Mark. And we'd split firewood until we couldn't hold the axe anymore. We had blisters on our hands. So I remember many times on Saturday afternoon, I'd be by myself and I'd, be, I'd just get in my room and I'd take the Revelation series, Revelation of Jesus Christ, 15 sermons in one book. And uh, I just take that and start in, and I had a bookmark in it, so I just, you know, kept moving it along. And I would read along until I found something where Brother Bram ties this other scripture in. And then I'd go with that, and I'd go look that up in the Bible. And remember now, I was raised Catholic, so I didn't know the King James Bible at all. And so I had a notebook, and I'd just take my notebook and just begin to jot that down and make notes. And then Brother Bram says, well, that's connected with that over there. And he says, that means this. And I'd make notes on all of that kind of thing. And that's how, I mean, that's how I began my Bible. We didn't have computers back then. And that's, that's how, imagine living in a world with no computers, no phones. It's called a millennium. But that's how I began because, you know, one thing will lead you to another one, to another one. And when you get in and start taking a subject, taking a topic, topical study, and, and uh, begin to click on things like that, it'll lead you to other passages and other other places there. I'm available. I'd be glad to help if there's any other questions and so forth after uh, tonight. But I just want to give you a little, uh, some of the tools that you can use. Sunday school teachers that are here, uh, great resources to be able to come up with very uh, timely studies and, you know, exact definitions of words and so forth. That's a great help. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come. Sorry, I realize this is a little bit different, the format, but uh, I'm glad you're here. And... Um, I trust that in some way it's been a help and a little bit instructive for you so that you can uh, go home and practice uh, using some of these tools here. Brother Jason, sorry we didn't get to the big list. Brother Jason sent me, a, I asked him for some topics, and it's a big list, and I thought, wow, those are 10-week sermon series. All, every question he asked me was a, was a series, and I thought, wow, if I get into one of those, we'll be, but they were great questions, really great questions. And uh, I appreciate that. So if there's, uh, like I say, we can, uh, we can hone our skills and, and do a little bit more. <clears throat> but here's what Brother Bram said. Let's sing Falling in Love with Jesus. Brother Bram said, 
He said, don't go at it intellectually. He said, don't go at it just trying to know more than everybody else. He said, you got to fall in love with the author. He said, that's the most important thing is to fall in love with the author. And he said, all of the revelation of scripture reveals one thing, and that's Christ. And he says, when you begin to enter into it, he says, that's who you see. That's who's front and center is Jesus Christ. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with my Jesus. I feel protected in his arms, never disconnected in his arms. I feel like going on. Yes, I feel like going on. Though trials come, they come on every hand. I feel like again I feel like going on I feel like going on and though trials come they come on every hand I feel like Going on. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Order my steps. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would guide us, not only in our Bible study, but you said to be a guide who'd be with us even in us until the end of the way. And in Jesus' name, I commit the people to you, Lord. Pray that in some way, Lord, these little pieces of information, Lord, might help us to be like the people in Berea. They studied the word constantly and they, they were able to look and, and just be able to understand, Lord, what a messenger was telling them in, the, in that day. Father God, I pray that you would help us to be spiritually sensitive. And Lord, biblically aware what it is that we believe and where we're going. Guide us, Lord, I pray commit the people, their needs, Lord. We think of those that are sick and those that are needy. We commit them into your hands, Lord, tonight. Guide us through the balance of our week, we pray in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Sing this as you go tonight. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me and guide me 
every day. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps in your word. Please order my steps in your word. I want to walk worthy. in your word dear Lord lead me and guide me every day send your anointing Father I 